White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 760. The White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast is brought to you by people like you, our Patreon.com family. To join the ranks and help us keep the show going, visit www.b5review.com. That's www.b5review.com and click on the button to become a patron. It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Reviewing the entire Babylon 5 series, plus Crusade and everything else. Now here are your hosts, Van Allen Plexico and Andy Fix. From the palatial White Rocket Studios, somewhere in the Pegasus Galaxy... It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. I am your host, Van Allen Plexico, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Andy Fix. Andy, are you out there somewhere across the Stargate? I, I am. I found my way through the Stargate. Yes. I dialed, dialed in the right numbers, apparently, and here I am. You'd think they'd go to touch-tone technology with the Stargates at some point. <laughs> They're still using dial-up. The Stargate looks like my grandmother's phone. <laughs> I know. It's amazing. I know it. I know it. I know it. Um, right. So this is a another. We just did one recently, but this is another very special episode of the, of the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast because Andy and I have finally gotten, finally, gotten to the end of Season 4, right? We made Season we We savored every sweet morsel of Babylon 5 Season 4. I think we it's did. fair to say. Yes. And we've still got our sort of season wrap-up show that we do with Nathan or Bobby or um, who else was on it? I forgot. Uh, Thaddeus. Thaddeus was on it, right. We've had different yep. people come on. We'll we'll put that together pro- probably for next time, I'm thinking, maybe in a couple of weeks we can do that, do our big yeah. season four wrap-up. We've yeah. got the, uh, the TNT movies coming up before we get into season five. So we've got a lot more great Babylon 5 content coming, but... Long-time listeners of this program know that I've been talking to Andy forever about, what about Stargate? Do you like Stargate? Do you like Stargate? Now, remind me and everybody else, because we haven't talked about this in a while, how much Stargate total had you seen before this week? So I saw the original movie. Yeah. I, I remember seeing that in the theater. Loved it. I watched the first season on on Showtime. Was it Showtime or Cinemax? Yeah, one of those. Of SG-1. Yeah, of SG-1, right? And then I dropped whatever cable company we had, so I, I missed out on the, I guess there are like eight seasons after that or something like that. And then went to sci-fi, I guess it was Stargate Atlantis mm-hmm. with Jason Momoa. I saw <laughs> two episodes of that, and that's it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I never... All right, so I think... I'm, I'm not a huge Stargate person. I've watched... I've watched SG-1 once all the way through, and I really liked it. I've watched Atlantis maybe three times all the way through and love it. And I've watched Stargate Universe probably four or five times all the way through and love it. Okay, and we'll talk about why in just a minute. You're not a big Stargate person. No, because I don't know all the (laughs) lore and everything like I do the Babylon 5 stuff. You know what I mean? Like You and I can sit here and geek out on Babylon 5, but I couldn't really do that on... Stargate. I got you. I got you. Okay. And, now, and we're, we're, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and so I think there were 10, 10 seasons of SG-1, five seasons of Atlantis, and two seasons of SGU. 
And I think SG-1 moved over to Sci-Fi Channel like halfway through. Gotcha. Other than that, that's as far as I know. Now, weren't there also like TV movies done by Sci-Fi? A couple of them, yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, very much like the TNT Babylon 5 movies. They were like a further adventure, you know, wrapping up some story detail or something. Right. Yeah. I think one was called Stargate Continuum, and I've seen them, but I've only seen them like one time. And by the way... I had, I believe I had Bobby Nash and Jim Yelton on the White Rocket podcast, just our generic, you know, pop culture podcast, the sister show to this one. Yep. I had them on there a couple of years ago to talk about Stargate. So if you're a really big Stargate fan and you want to talk and you want to hear us talk about, not Andy, unfortunately, because he didn't, he wasn't into it yet, but me and Bobby and Jim talking about it. Um, if you go, the easiest way actually to find any of those, if you go to Plexico dot blogspot.com or plexico.blogger.com I think like the first thing that comes up is I have a chronological set of links of every episode of that podcast oh wow so you can it's, it's like 300 episodes every right. topic you can imagine and you can just kind of dig through it and you can find all kind of stuff but the Stargate ones are in there it'll say, it'll say like Stargate Stargate Atlantis SGU with Bobby Nash and Jim Yelton so they're out there now, do you, do you have a uh, uh, one that concerns the Micronauts comic book out there? <laughs> That's just cruel, man. I should. I should. In, in some universe somewhere out there, it's down that the, does exist. It went down the black hole. Yeah, that was that was back when my technology was still very primitive. I have far far better technology. I've I've reinvested everything I've gotten in from the Patreon over the last few years of this show and the football show yeah. to making to making our setup here far, far better. So that's never going right. to happen again, hopefully. We will but, have to revisit yeah. that topic one day. We that will, was, yeah. That was it, such a fun conversation. It was. First one we did. Andy and I have talked about this before for long-time listeners, but we recorded an entire hour-plus talking about the Micronauts comics, and it didn't record. So we just basically had a nice, fun phone call. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. It's hard. It's hard for me to be disappointed in having a fun phone call with you. Right. Yeah. So. The, yeah. I mean. Yeah. The only disappointment no. is we can't go back and listen to it again, and nobody else can hear it. Exactly. It was a very exclusive members-only podcast. <laughs> only you and I were exclusive enough to get it. And that Ooh. was our very the very first podcast we ever did together, too. Yeah. And it was a long time after that before we did another one. Right. I don't know. I'm not saying. I'm not saying anything. But you know, you probably just never wanted to trust me again. I couldn't blame you. But <laughs> hey, we're now some like what? How many? I mean, gosh, how many episodes of the of the Babylon Five show have we done now? We haven't messed up oh, a single time. Right. I mean, it's been at least a hundred. It's got to be a hundred. Yeah. 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 We've. I know that our downloads are coming up on like thirty thousand, which. May not seem like a lot to some of these Babylon 5 podcasts that have a huge following, or whatever. But I like to think that, that my shows that I do with you and that I do with John and we do that, they're for a discriminating listener and not just everybody, right? It, we have a right. unique perspective and sense of humor and we have a very loyal audience that is a core family. You know, it's not just a walk in off the street and walk back out kind of a show. We're a family. We love our listeners. We talk to them on Patreon and have them involved yep. in everything. So it's great. Absolutely. Well, so all of that is to say 
that I told Andy he really, really needed to see Stargate Universe because it was the third of the three shows. And it's interesting, Andy, because I watched it first. I had never watched any Stargate. And then when it was actually airing originally the first run in 2009, I said, oh, I'll watch this new show. It looks kind of cool. And I didn't know any of the lore. I didn't know any of the Stargate stuff at all other than the movie. Everybody's seen the movie. Right. But I didn't remember any of it. And I loved it. And a lot, I think a lot of people that like Stargate and watched Universe having already been huge Stargate fans don't like Universe as much because it's not like the other two shows. It's much right. darker and grimmer. But if you come into it off of like Battlestar Galactica, it's much more like, oh, I get this. I see where this is. You know what I mean? Right. Because there's, and we're going to talk about this, but there's honestly not that many likable characters but but they're interesting this is the thing a lot of people couldn't get past that they said i don't like them so i don't like right. the show and i'm like i don't like them but i'm fascinated by them and i want to know what they're going to do next man i don't know who to trust i don't know who to believe it's, it's so machiavellian yeah. compared to the other shows i love that about it yeah. again very yeah. much like battlestar galactica right and and i'm very i'm curious did you know what was going on for half the the, the show? Because no, I didn't. No, I, no. The, I mean, the, there was. I didn't know where the spaceships were coming from. I didn't know. I didn't know what was going on. Right. No. I the, the first episode. It doesn't help that the first episode tries to suck you in. I get what they're doing. Right. The first episode tries to suck you in by starting you out on the destiny, and then flashing back to how they came to be there, and it that goes back back and forth. Yeah, it's very confusing. Absolutely is. I they might not should have done it that way, but uh, right. it gets confusing. Um, all right, so to to finish out the introduction here, Andy and I agreed to watch or rewatch the first three episodes, which is kind of a story arc called Air, because they're running out of air, and then we would compare notes and see what Andy thought about it, see what I thought about it this time, and I have some questions for him, and then some notes and everything. So we're just going to treat it like we do the Babylon Five show. And hopefully you guys out there are not bored or, or disappointed. We're not talking about Babylon 5 this week, but we just like to mix it up and give you a little bonus and extra things here and there and maybe turn you on to something you didn't know about. So I'm on pins and needles waiting to hear what Andy thought about the show and the characters. So um, let's I'm, – I'm trying to think how we want to do this. I have some notes broken down by Episode 1, Episode 2, and Episode 3. So why don't you start us out and tell us Episode 1, this is their – they're coming through the Stargate onto this mysterious ship out in the middle of nowhere and trying to figure out where they are and what's going on. And then it flashes back to how each one of the main characters came to be there. Right. So it's confusing. Yeah. Take it, take it from there. What were your reactions and thoughts in the first hour? Uh, I, I was confused. I mean, for the reasons you talked about, plus because it was, it, it, to me, it appeared to be drawing off of several years worth of Stargate lore. That I wasn't, that I had never followed. I only had seen the first episode of, or the first season of Stargate One, um, so I didn't understand. I mean, how did they get the spaceship? I didn't, I didn't know who. I mean, obviously, all the characters, you know, who were talking and who were involved, came from some of these other episodes or other s series because you know they they seem to be established characters. I didn't know what was going on, so I was I was very confused, um, and it wasn't what I expected. Like, like what you were saying, I loved the first season of Stargate One. There was a lot of, you know, exploration, sense of wonder, and it was fun. You know, the, the, the chemistry of the three characters, first of all, the characters liked each other. 
Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> uh, you know, they have great chemistry, and, and I really enjoyed that first season. So watching this first hour, I hated everybody on that show. Yeah. I, I didn't I didn't like anybody. I didn't That's I didn't understandable. Wanna, yeah. I didn't want to follow their adventures. I I couldn't imagine them having adventures. I'm like, oh, the doctor there, that's that's like Baltar from Battlestar Galactica, you know, he's the long haired <laughs> doctor looking smart guy who nobody trusts and who's gonna do something evil in every episode. I mean, obviously that you know, that changed, but I mean that was just my initial reaction to the first season. I was like, Oh, and this is the this is the bad boy character who's, you know, who's getting in trouble sleeping with the women and, you know, when he's supposed to be on duty and, and all this stuff. And, oh, there's the guy that ne- ends up in the brig. He's the, the, the street kid with the troubled background. And I mean, it was just filled, for me, filled with cliches, and I just didn't like anybody. I didn't really like the show until the third episode. Okay. I, that first hour that first hour was very difficult for me to watch because I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh, come on. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was... Blah. So that that was that that was my reaction to the first hour. All right, I, let's I, pause it. Let's pause it there. The first yeah. hour. Let me. All right. All right. So let me react to some of that. All right. The only characters so far that we've seen that have been from other shows are General O'Neill, who was on SG One, yeah. right, and and um, the other two from his team, the blonde-headed okay. lady. I can't ever think of her name. Right, and she was the she was the colonel. She was the 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 commander of the the other. Star. There was two starships in this, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Because well, there was, there was the one sh- she was on, and then there was the the ancient one that they ended yes. up. Yes. Yes. Okay. The Hammond and the Destiny. Yes. Right. Yeah, the Hammond is named after that Air Force general guy that was the big dude on the original show. He died. He passed away. The actor, the actor or away. the character? Both. Oh wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yes. I, I did recognize the name because he was the yeah the gruff the, the General Hammond the yeah bald headed right. big yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah he was like the he was like the commander of the base and the operation the first several seasons and then he passed away so they had the character pass away and they named the ship after him basically General gotcha. Hammond yeah okay um, and then basically Jack Harry Dean Anderson gets promoted up to basically his position he's the general now right okay so um, none of the other characters were established before no no this is it. They just okay. you, they just walk in and you have to figure them out as they go, which is one of the things I really liked about it. Is you don't know who to believe, you don't know who to trust. Interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and I can understand where you would think that totally, but no, you didn't miss anything really. Uh, okay. The only thing that you needed to know, and they they kind of drop enough in the background, especially if you watch it a second time. But the only thing you really need to know in this going in is because uh, yeah, Doctor Rush had never really appeared before. Uh, none of them had. And so what you find out is when they were in Atlantis, they found an address that needed an extra digit. And apparently dialing the gate that many digits uses just like exponentially more energy. So they couldn't get any normal gate to dial the destiny, the spaceship. They didn't even okay. know what it was. Right. They just knew that that was the, extra, that was the address for the extra digit. Yeah, it's like finding a phone number written down somewhere, and you're like, "Oh, I want to, I want to dial this number and see who answers," but I can't get the phone to work. It can, my phone can't dial that many digits for some reason. Right. Well, they figured out that the Stargate on this barren planet was tapped into the core of the planet and had enough energy to do it. Okay. But between them dialing that powerful connection across the universe and then getting attacked by 
the enemy who you don't even need to worry about who the enemy was. They it's right. like the end of the season you find out, but it's it's not a big deal at all. It's okay. enemies of the Stargate. You, you know, every episode of SG One there was some enemy, right? Right. One right. one one of their enemies attacks to try to get the gateway, blows up the planet. Right. So so the only choice they have is to jump through the Stargate to get away before the planet blows up. And I did yeah, like you, that when the planet blew up, it blew up the enemy ships. That was kind of cool. Right. But you got all that, you're, all this information you're giving me, you pulled just from that episode. 100%, yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, again, I've seen it like four or five times. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. Once you, once you kind of, again, once you go through the series, you get a lot of backstory. And then when you come back and watch it again, if you do, you'll be like, oh, I understand. I see now, right? Because you, okay. uh, the flashbacks don't stop. We're, as you continue through this first season, you learn a lot more about where Dr. Rush came from. You learn more about where Chloe and, and, and Eli and Scott and Greer and CJ, oh, I love CJ, and all of them, the whole gang, you learn more about them as they go. Which one's CJ? The blonde-headed medic lady. Oh yeah, she was cool. I She's so too. cool. I love her. Yes. Yeah, that was um, the one character I didn't hate after the first episode. <laughs> she doesn't have a lot to say bad about her. Um, I have I have questions for you about that. All right, well let me run through my right. little notes and factoids because some of this is for you and we'll see. All right, I, the very first thing I say here is all the flashbacks get confusing and I've even seen it five or six times. So I'm 100 percent with you. That's fair. But I said, I love all the characters, even though we barely get to know any of them yet in season one. Nobody is entirely good and nobody's entirely bad. Uh, hold that thought. We don't really get to know very much about anybody yet except Eli in this episode and a little bit about Dr. Rush. Eli seemed like the main character, didn't he? he yeah, he does. Okay, he, it, it shifts. It kind of goes around. It's an ensemble, but he got a lot of attention in this first episode. Yeah. All right. Uh, this is the thing that was, that was annoying to me on this watch. Dr. Rush's rationale for not dialing back to Earth when they got attacked. All right, so they get attacked by the aliens or the enemy or whatever, and they're like, dial the gate so we can evacuate to Earth, and instead he dials Destiny. The extra digit, right. Now, this raises the first question about Dr. Rush. He says, I couldn't dial Earth because if the planet exploded and the explosions or whatever, it could have damaged Earth. I don't believe him. I think his plan all along was to go to Destiny and to hell with everybody else at that base. If he had to sacrifice everybody else to go to Destiny, he was going to go, and he knew this was his only chance. That's my theory. What did you think about Dr. Rush? Overall or just from that first episode? First and then overall. Let's do it that way. All right. For the first, I thought he was the uh, like a mustache-twirling evil bad guy. You know, that mm-hmm. he was, he was yep. just there to screw with everybody's plans. And he'd be the one that would make all the stupid decisions based on his selfish desires Hmm. and screw the rest of them. By the end of the third episode, I really liked him. Yes. I think think he came across. And they developed the characters much better over that that third episode. The first two episodes, they didn't. But but especially the the, the doctor. um, He came across not as somebody who was uh, evil or selfish, but somebody who just had a different brain process who thought things through differently and almost like like an autistic kid you know somebody on the spectrum the way he processes things and the way he thinks about and the way he interacts with other people isn't what normal you know what you would normally expect so he comes across as 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 rude snotty stuck up selfish elitist that type of stuff but by the by the 
third episode, he came across as a more well-rounded person. I, yes. I, I thought that it was, and I didn't know when it shifted. It was very subtle, but I definitely know by the end of the third episode, I was like, I kind of like this guy. He is an interesting, whether you like him or you don't like him, root for him or not. Right. He, he holds your interest. You want to know what he's going to do and say next. You know what I mean? I like right. that about a character. Right. I've always said, I hadn't thought about Baltar. That's an excellent reference, too. But um, I always said he's Dr. Smith from Lost in Space crossed with Sheldon from Big Bang Theory. Right. <laughs> he even dresses like Sheldon from Big Bang Theory. And when you were talking right. about his personality there, that sounds like Sheldon from Big Bang Theory. Yeah, right? yeah, definitely. So That's funny. I, I really like Dr. Rush because he's either one of the greatest villains or one of the most misunderstood heroes. I'll be honest with you, after two seasons of the show, you still don't know. <laughs> he's just <laughs> such a great, he's so gray. He's great because yeah. you, you, from one second to the next, you never know. And the thing right. I love about him, too, is he always has an explanation ready, and you don't know if he's pulling it out of his butt or he's sincere. Like, they'll say to right. him, Dr. Rush, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? And he's like, I couldn't do that because it would blow up everything and kill us all, you idiot. And you're like, maybe, and maybe he's just making that up. I don't know. Right. <laughs> I, I noticed in that third episode when he came through that Stargate from the desert planet with the guy that had been shot in the arm. And he said? He said, what, what was the... the Greer. The guy, the, yeah, Greer shot him, which he did. That's but the true, is true. But... But... Dr. Rush told him to shoot him. <laughs> don't so you I, love it? I... When I watch that, I'm like, what a jerk. And then I'm thinking, oh, he was just answering the question. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, was he leaving that out on purpose, or was he just answering the question the way he thought? Who knows? Right. I don't know. I thought thought that was really interesting. I'm so glad you caught that. Yes, I caught that too, and I'm like, again, everything he says and does can be taken two ways. Right. And you never know which way to take it. Right. Like, was he trying to put it off on Greer. Greer shot him. I don't know what the man was doing. He's a maniac. Or, like you said, was he just answering the question and that's just how he thinks, you know. Right. You asked me what happened and I told you, you know. Right. Oh, I love it. (laughs) So anyway, Greer's great. I'll tell you this. um, Eli is a little much at first. Uh He, they dial him back, okay. He gets more likable pretty soon. I think they really kind of wanted to push him out to the front at the beginning as right. more like the identifiable nerdy guy that's probably watching the show, right? right. He's exactly. us, supposedly. But they yeah. kind of dial him back a little bit. He's, he's, I think they all, they all get a di- lot deeper and a little more likable. And okay. the one character that you really don't get to know at all in these first three, unfortunately, because I love him, is Colonel Young. Yes. You didn't get much of Young at all. Right, right. And until, again, until the very end of, of that that third episode that's you know that's when mm-hmm. i'm like okay i can see where you know because the first episode i mean he didn't do anything the first two no. episodes because he He's had knocked head out. trouble yeah and the one the one flashback he had made him to be kind of a, a jerk yeah so, and then yeah. he goes and talks to jack to, to general uh o'neill yeah and jack just pushes him around like he says well you know these people they don't really know what they're doing well that's your job to lead them well, right. you know, they're a poor, they're not the right, well, here, you, you know, you deal with, you got to, well, we don't really have these supplies, go get them. I mean, Jack yeah. is so heavy-handed and, and, and high-handed and dismissive with him, and Young is just like, crap, man. Yeah, well, I? because, I mean, that's, that's what he did, that's what 
Colonel O'Neill did yes. when he first started SG-1. He would just say, okay, well, let's hop through the Stargate, and yes. we'll take our guns, we'll explore, you know, the backwoods of Canada and, and shoot people. And, but, but you know and, what? I'm, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, the backwoods of Canada. That's, that's perfect <laughs> observation. That was great. I always used to kid that. I always used to kid that it's amazing how the Stargates take you to all over the galaxy to planets that look like Vancouver. <laughs> but, but anyway, no, I think that you made a really good observation there that I want to highlight, um, which is that we take for granted how heroic the SG-1 type teams are, right? Mm-hmm. When Jack would do something, when Jack would just say, screw it, let's go save the world, you know, after 10 seasons of that, you're like, of course, SG-1 guys go and save the world. Yeah, of course. Colonel Young comes in and her, here and reminds us what a normal person would be like, right? right? Colonel Young is a normal guy who's basically just like putting in his time, you know. He has his personal life. He's not interested in saving the world. He's not a hero. And he's, he's in command of this expedition now, militarily at least. Right. And he's expected to be Jack O'Neill. And from that very first conversation with Jack, you realize it's not his fault he's not Jack O'Neill. Not many people are. Right. But he can't do it. He's just got to muddle through somehow. And he doesn't have the resources that Colonel no. O'Neill had either. That's I mean, right. He, he literally has you know a bunch of civilians, a couple guys with guns, and a spaceship that's falling apart as they, as they speak. <laughs> Batteries that are running down, running out of water... Yep. No food. I mean, and and I love, I had to mention this, I love how we get the mechanism that when the when the uh, destiny comes to a new solar system, it slows down and starts dialing gates. I didn't understand that. Okay, it's traveling across the universe. It's not in hyperspace. It's just going way hell faster than light, okay? Right, right. So every time it comes to us to a new star system, there were robot ships sent out ahead of it that have planted stargates all over the place. I got that. Okay. Every time it comes to a solar system that has stargates in it, it slows down and for 12 hours is within range of, of those gates. Okay. So during those 12 hours when it's not in hyperspeed, not in faster than light, FTL, you can dial the local planets in that star system from destiny and go back and forth like they did to the desert planet, right? Right. And then after 12 hours, it shuts everything down and jumps to the next star system. Right. I got that. And this is actually one of, one of the, the categories later, so we can actually deal with that. Okay. I'll ask my questions about that then. Cause, All right. Yeah, that, that, that aspect of the story confused me. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll address that then. Uh, but, yeah, I'm still not convinced that Rush ever would have dialed Earth. I think he just – I think that's – and I think he would justify it by saying this is possibly the greatest – uh, discovery in the history of mankind and I had to do it and if it costs the lives of my teammates so be it so in his mind he can rationalize it uh, he's not evil right. I think he's just operating on a different code or whatever you know right right um, and I say this is Rush's original sin and it echoes down the rest of the series um, alright episode 102 the, f- the first thing they do that I'd forgotten is they have those communication stones that's another. That came from one of the other episodes, one of the other series. Okay. I can't. I think Jack O'Neill found those. But the communication stones are another one of the great story devices, along with the Stargates themselves, that make this show so cool. Because no matter how far out in the universe they go, they can be on Earth in somebody else's body. Right. That's so cool. And 
when they showed it in episode two, I thought, oh, that's you know, that's that's a, a cop out. You know, that lets them talk with home and stuff like that when they're supposed to be out on their own trying to survive. But when they use it in the third episode, they got more into it and mm-hmm. and showed how it, you know how it could be used differently. And I thought that was really kind of cool. And I'm like, okay, now I get it. Now now this lets them tell their personal stories without doing flashbacks. Yeah. And I thought yes. that was cool because the, the, the Chloe went to see her mom and mm-hmm. and uh, stuff like that. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing how they use that, if they use that story bit in future episodes. Oh, those little stones are great. They make great use of them. I okay. loved, I was just like jumping up and down laughing when TJ, uh, I think her name is Tamara Jane or something, so they call her TJ, when she uh, is telling Colonel Telford, you need to stop abusing Colonel Young's body, and he won't. Right. He's like, just give me a painkiller. So she shoots him with something. He's like, ugh, and he falls over. And right. she's like, well, enjoy your stay until it's time to go back. <laughs> and and I, what I really loved about that, again, I've been kind of saying Colonel Young is just a normal guy. There's, he's not very heroic. But you may have noticed that the whole time Colonel Young after he wakes up, he kind of hobbles around, but he's not whining and crying and complaining. He's just like, you know, on to the next job. Right. When Telford is in his body, Telford's like, oh, I'm dying. Oh, the pain, the pain. Oh, my God. So I, I thought that was really good because it showed us that there's more to Young than we thought, right? He's a pretty tough guy. He's not a, right. he's not a great leader like Jack, but he's a tough guy. Right. Absolutely. I thought that was, that was really cool. Um, that, was a, that was a neat way to show... Uh, the a, a part of his character without, I mean, but through somebody else. You know, that, that's always yeah. when, when you're writing a story. That's always a cool way to show how yes. badass or how cool somebody else is by showing somebody else's reactions to them. And this was kind of a neat twist on that. It showed how somebody else was reacting t- in his body yes. to what was going on with him, and then we could, could compare and contrast that with how he acted. And yeah, that that was really cool. I really thought that was a neat a neat way to do it. I did too. I thought that was really good. Um, and again, it made me admire and respect Young more because he was dealing with it way better than Telford. Right. Isn't it, wasn't it interesting to see Lou Diamond Phillips? It was. And and now, was he new to this series as well, or is yes. he in a prior series? Okay, no. so he's, everybody's new. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah, that was. I, I love Lou Diamond Phillips. I think he's he's just a a, a great actor. He's great. I, I love seeing him in, in anything. So yeah, when he showed when he showed up in the beginning, I thought he died during the attack. On the planet, yeah, the I wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Oh, that must have been a character from you know one of the other series that they just dramatically killed off that I didn't have any emotional connection to." But then he showed up again in, in the third episode, and I'm like, "Oh, cool! He didn't die. He he's occasional. He doesn't. He's not in every episode, but he pops in and out." Um, right. One thing that um, I lost train of thought. Telford. Yeah, I like Telford. Um, oh, one thing I like about it is. This is that classic, you're talking about like the, you know, the, the tropes and whatever. This is that classic trope of the people that are prepared for something are not there, and the people that are there are not prepared. Right. Telford wants to be on the destiny, right. and he <laughs> right. can't, right? Yep. And Young doesn't want anything to do with it, and he's stuck. Yeah. So when they swap, Telford's like, all right, now let's get to work, and Young's like, oh, I can go home. 
they really don't want to swap back, you know. So it gets really interesting like that. I like that a lot. There's another aspect that that gets me into I wanted to bring up that we see in Episode 2, which is that reminds me of Battlestar Galactica, the 2004, is that they, they, they play on that tension growing between the military and the civilians. Yes, I picked up on that. I like that. And we again, another character that hasn't been developed much yet but will be is Camille Ray, who is Ming-Na Wen. Yep. She, if you, I, those of you who have seen other Stargate shows, they make a lot out of the bureaucrats back at Stargate Command or the planetary yep. whatever organization that come in and like boss people around. Right. Because they think they can boss around the military. Camille is one of them. The Ming-Na character is one of those bureaucrats from like the UN or whatever. So right. she's on this ship, and it's very much like, you remember on Battlestar Galactica, you had Adama and you had the president, Laura Roslin. Right. And yeah. they were always button heads. Are the civilians in charge? Is the military in charge? You know, and they have a real good tension there. Same thing here. Colonel Young and Ray, Camille Ray, are butting heads. They haven't really done it yet, but you can see it coming, right? Because right. like when, when Rush says, I'm in charge, and she's like, wait, nobody said you're in charge, right? Yeah. And I have questions about that. Okay. Well, again, did, is, is yeah. I, <laughs> did Colonel ne- or did General O'Neill really tell him he's in charge? We'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> but that, I picked up on that too. That was so good. Uh, so yeah, it is interesting when you ha- and it's interesting too that they often make the civilian leader a woman, which gives you kind of a a gender friction as well right. as a job friction. You have the civilian woman and the military man kind of right. button heads, and they do that. I thought that was really well. I laughed. Um, because when they opened the air filter, I said, "Oh, they got the air filter out of my out of that used car my daughter bought a couple of years ago." Because <laughs> she bought a she bought a little little car, and I opened the cabin air filter because it smelled smoky when she got it home. I'm like, "Oh, you might shouldn't have bought this one," and I pulled out the air filter and it was black. And when they opened that thing up, I'm like, "Oh, there it is. <laughs> I know exactly what they're dealing with." So. Um, yeah, that was neat. I like the idea the ship is hundreds of thousands of years old, so even if there hadn't hardly been anybody on it, after all that time, it just kind of rotted, right. I guess. or The air filter just kind of rotted, so they didn't have much right. air. Right. So that was neat. All right, so what else about uh, about episode two? The All we really learned in this one was the, the communication stones. We got to see Colonel Young a little bit, and we found out that when Destiny gets close to a star, which we'll talk about in a minute, it comes out of faster than light, and you can dial... Uh, yeah. There's the there's the space 1999 connection, which is they're traveling through space, and they can't steer. They can't steer, right? But they have the two shuttle. I, I they mentioned that they have two shuttlecraft. Yes. On the ship. Yes. I don't know if, if those ever come into play. If they ever are able to repair those or not, but you can we'll see. see. Yeah. Right. If if you continue, yeah. Right. All right. Any other thoughts about episode two before we talk about three? And I don't want to really break it down. We can talk about the whole thing, but I'm just kind of enjoying some specifics here. Right. No. Yeah. I agree. And I I. The more you bring up Battlestar Galactica, I think that's why I got the for the first just the first two episodes. I think that was part of the reason why I, I just didn't like it because it seems so derivative. It's like hmm. somebody at Sci-Fi said, "Well, Battlestar Galactica worked well for us. Let's just take the Stargate people, toss it into Battlestar Galactica, you know, story mode, and you know, we'll see what." I mean, it it's got a lot of the same tropes, the same. Oh, I'm sure. The, I'm sure you're. I'm sure theme. that probably happened. Yeah, I don't doubt it. Right. So I think that was. A little bit would rub me the wrong way the first two episodes, but by the third episode, I'd kind of forgotten about that because the the characters came into their own. I think by, yes. the, by that point, and and 
I can live with the derivative storylines if the characters are interesting enough, and the characters started to get interesting there. So I, I'm I'm hoping they continue with the characters and that the story drifts further away from you know the the Battlestar Galactica type stuff. I'll tell you this if you if it interests you because we haven't talked yet about whether you want to watch anymore or not, and I'm leaving that for right now. But I'll just tell you this right. in season one because there's only two seasons, right? Right. In season one, there are at least two five five star episodes. There are two that are absolutely as mind blowing as anything I've ever seen on television. That's why I love the show so much. I don't love the show because of Air Part One. <laughs> I love the show because of a couple of things that are coming up. Okay. okay. Um, all right. So one uh, episode three. Uh, I mentioned that Tur- Telford's like, oh my my liver, oh my gosh, you know. Um, it never dawned on me until I watched it this time that Scott is about to die. I'm throwing out their names like everybody knows who I'm talking about. The the right. the sort of the the young up and comer lieutenant, the the heroic yes. the heroic young yeah. lieutenant, right? Semi heroic, yeah. That's Scott. Okay. Okay. Right. He's about to die. He passes out. He's hallucinating about his priest that raised him and everything. Right. Yep. And did you notice that little whirly cloud that had been sucking up water earlier? Yep. Every time they drip some water out, he'd come over and suck it up. Okay, right. when he gets to the dry lake bed and passes out, it comes over to him and sprays water out into the sand to make him wake up. Right. And I was like, "Oh crap! I didn't realize it did that on purpose before, but it did." I think. I, I was. I had questions about that. Was that whirly thing? Was that a, a sentient life form? On that I, planet that was trying to help them, or was that <sighs> was that pure? I mean, maybe it was just pure luck, you know, right. happenstance that that happened to come by when he was in. The, because he had already passed out on the lake bed. Maybe that water just bubbled up at that time. I think that's what I thought before. And this time I realized there was cause and effect there. I, okay. but, but again, it's because here, I'll answer it this way. This show, they do tons of foreshadowing. It's very much like Babylon 5 where they know everything's going to happen the whole season. And they start okay. laying stuff out at the beginning. Okay. You haven't well, seen the last. You haven't seen the last of hardly anything that we got in these three episodes. Everything oh. in these three episodes is going to keep coming back and more okay. and more. Okay. So yeah, it's it all is going somewhere. Okay. It's all going somewhere. And then they throw a couple of hand grenades in the middle of that too, coming up. Um, you know, it wasn't. Yeah. It was. It was that one scene when um, Rush was fighting with Greer. Yes. Uh, on the dunes, and he was yelling at him about his past, mm-hmm. and that's when his his Scottish accent really kicked in, and that's when I looked at that screen and I'm like, oh my god, that's Begbie. Did you ever see Train Spotting? No. Oh my god. Okay. Well, I think uh, I think of him as the villain from the from the James Bond movie, uh, The World Is Not Enough. Oh, see, I, I, I don't remember that. I'm not a, as huge of a James Bond fan, but <laughs> I, there was a movie called Train Spotting. It was Ewan McGregor's first movie. I've it heard of it. Scot- it was a Scottish film. Yeah. And Begbie, whenever he spoke on screen, he was speaking English with a thick Scottish accent, was subtitled <laughs> as part of the joke. And it was hilarious. And Begbie was just this complete, I mean, he, all the characters on, on that, that show were, were bad people. But Begbie mm. was the worst. I mean, he was like a, a, a small-time gangster and violent and mean and nasty and all that stuff. And it hit me that, oh, my God, Rush is Begbie. That's the same actor. The actor. Robert Carlyle. Robert Carlyle, yeah. Is, is playing 
this rush, and it's an entirely different character. I mean, completely different character. So I didn't even recognize him as that mm-hmm. character. He's great. So I, I, he, he was. I just laughed out loud. I'm like, when I saw that, I'm like, oh my god, that's Begbie, and I just started laughing. Yeah, he was the uh, bald-headed villain that had a bullet in his brain that was slowly dying, but he couldn't feel any pain, and he was against uh, Pierce Brosnan's Bond and on, 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 on The World Is Not Enough. Um, and um, he's also, I think he was on one, uh, Once Upon a Time, that ABC so, uh, show about like fantasy characters. He was uh, Rumpelstiltskin or something. I saw one season of that too because my wife made me watch it. And, uh, never saw. Never <laughs> no, saw I never. I don't remember anything about it. I just know he was yeah. on it. But anyway, no, he's really great. I just, I really enjoy him on this show so much. Uh, I was going to ask you if you had been Eli, would you have stuck your arm into the Stargate? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was thinking about that. I'm like, you know, and that was the moment that I thought, okay, Eli's not a complete tool. That. <laughs> That you know, this this character might have some potential. He's not there just to be the stupid nerd that drops stupid nerd jokes every now and then and annoys everybody. He, I mean, he actually you know did something brave and heroic, and I thought that was pretty cool. He but did. no, would I would I have done that? That took a lot of guts, man. <laughs> and oh, well, I like how he was kind of like, right? But he right. stuck his right arm in. I don't think he's left-handed. I just totally stuck my left arm. I'm like, if you're gonna chop <laughs> off one of my arms, you're not gonna chop off my right arm here. Come on, now. Right. I'm like, come on, Eli, turn around, face the other way. Um, I do. I was going to mention this. Atlantis is really good about what I'm about to say, but Stargate Universe is okay too. I love the idea that they have this super advanced technology out there that that these basically aliens built, right, and then abandoned. Right. Right. And I just love that humans go out there, modern day people go out there with their Apple laptops and stuff, and plug into it all. Right. And operate it. I just right. I, that's one of the things I love is that the the characters on all the Stargate shows, for the most part, are regular normal humans of today, but they're able to operate because they're smart. A lot of them, right? They're yeah. able to operate this super advanced technology. I just think that is so. It's one of the coolest things. Like most science fiction shows, the people that have the high tech are people of that era or of that right. civilization. So they are always been used to having blasters and spaceships and everything. But these are like normal people like you and me that get to operate super advanced technology because they hooked their Apple laptop into it and reprogrammed <laughs> it so they could. That's so cool. I love that. Right. That, that I, was always a cool aspect of, of uh, Stargate was yeah. the, the modern-day military or the modern-day Joes, like you said, yeah. going out there and, and, and taking on advanced alien races – just with with chutzpah, as my my grandmother used to yeah. say. Yeah. You know, they would go out there with with their their guts and their brains, and they would figure out this technology and figure out ways to to win the day. So yeah, that was always a fun aspect of, of the Stargate mythos. I think so. All right, I have a few questions for you before we get into our little category things I came up with. Is Eli the best character at this point, or the most annoying, or both at the same time, or what? Uh, he's the most annoying. Okay. I, I I wanted to I wanted to kick him more than once. <laughs> All right, that's when, fair. When when he started cracking jokes or jokes during yeah. the the march through the desert, I was just oh, like, come on, come on, you guys. Oh god. You're you're overdoing it a little bit with this Eli character. Tone him down a little bit. Yeah. But I when he stuck his arm in, I thought that was okay. That was his redeeming moment. So now now I can not completely hate him. And you know what he did, too, that kind of impressed me was I thought he would be, like, totally geeky to the point of not... I thought he'd be afraid to even talk to Chloe. But mm-hmm. they struck up a friendship 
early on, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting because the two of them are kind of the youngest right. on this on the ship, and I and I like that Eli and Chloe kind of kind of they're like buddies, you know. What I mean, they they like kind of talk to each other, right. and and he wasn't afraid of her, right. which I was surprised by. All right, Eli Eli's yeah. got a little bit of the the Wesley Crusher thing going on where he's yeah he's precautious and he he's he knows way more than what he should, you know. And yeah, he's more capable at the the technical stuff than he has any right being and stuff like that. Well, that's why he's there, though. They look for somebody that could right with be the, as smart as Rush and figure stuff with out. The the, uh, uh, the last Starfighter video game oh, challenge. You, you had to love though the whole bit where they beam him up to the ship. Yeah. Just, what if I say no? Well, then I'll just beam you up to my spaceship. And he's like, Yeah, right. right. And then right. there he is. That was that. That's and so they, O'Neill. They did, a, they did a callback to that in, in the third the third episode when he was comparing notes with Chris. Is that what what his name was? The the lieutenant guy. Scott. Scott. Yeah. He was comparing notes with Scott, and he said, "Did you get beamed up to a spaceship?" <laughs> Scott's like, "Well, all right, you got me there." <laughs> Um, I'm gonna ask, so what do you think about Scott and Greer, our two military young dudes? Greer, I don't like. He's creepy. Uh, he's creepy, but he's way too cliche. I mean, he's mm. why, why is he there? I mean, he would have been drummed out of the military so quickly with with his mental issues that he he apparently has and his disregard for for authority and and discipline and all that stuff. So he annoys me, and I'm hoping. They touched on that a little bit when, when he and, and Dr. Rush were bumping heads in the desert. Greer did and said a couple things, or the actor did a couple things that made me think that maybe Greer, the character, wasn't quite as crazy and as bad as he was trying to present himself as. Hmm. And I, it, it, he seemed, I mean, I don't know. It, I, he annoyed me, but what, and what was the other the other? Chris or Scott? Oh, Lieutenant Scott. Lieutenant Scott, yeah. Scott, I didn't dislike him the first two episodes. I wasn't I wasn't really excited about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the first scene we see with him, he's, you know, out of uniform, so to speak. Oh, yeah. That was the first yeah. sex scene in the history of Stargate. Right. <laughs> and, with, with Lute- hey, give him credit, though. He was with Lieutenant James. That's right. I'm, I mean, I'm a she, big fan of Lieutenant James on this show. She She's an attractive young lady. Yes. But um, again, that just came. What I mean, the whole the SGU is seems to be the most undisciplined and unfit branch of the U.S. military. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> just crazy. I don't know if that's on purpose or if that's just poor writing or what. But I mean, it, it it just seems pretty bad. So he came across as a cliche. Um, but again, that third episode when they started getting into his, mm-hmm. you know, when they did his flashback and started getting into his history. They gave him a little bit more depth and a little bit more meat, and it explained a little bit of you know what made him annoying the first two episodes. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. So yeah, I'm I'm on I'm on board with Scott. Uh, the other guy, not so much unless they do something a little bit more with him. They I was going to say they they all get they all get fleshed out a lot more. They okay. all get fleshed out a lot more. Uh, and and some of the little it's funny some of my favorite characters now looking back are some of the little bit players that we barely even saw. In these first three episodes, there's people in the background that never even had a chance to say anything, hardly. Right. And they get really fun later on. There's some that are really cool. Right. Um, I had a note here. Why didn't they get Sean Bean to play the senator? Because <laughs> 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 clearly that was a Sean Bean role written for him. Yes. You 
And that senator was not from any of the other SG series? No, never saw him before. Okay. Or Chloe, his daughter. All right. Um, all right, we talked about Colonel Young. Did any of the other characters make an impression? You said you liked TJ, the, the medic. Yes, any... I thought she was she was cool. Um, Who have we not mentioned yet? What, what do you think about Chloe, the senator's daughter? Eh, I mean, we haven't seen much of her yet. Yeah. Um, she had the, the big the big scene when her dad passed away, which was sad and yeah. a little cliche. Excuse me, my cat's attacking me right now because <laughs> he's sitting on my sitting on my phone, which is where I have all my notes. Oh no! And I'm trying to get him to move, and <laughs> he bit me. Ah, so, how dare yeah. You. <laughs> um, Chloe again for the first two episodes, she didn't do much. She had that that scene when when her dad died. It was kind of you know melodramatic, but um, the scene with her mom when she transferred brains or bodies with through the, mm-hmm. the communication stones and was able to, to go visit her mom. I thought that was really cool. Um, I, don't, I don't dislike Chloe and like you said, she kind of brings in the perspective of the, the younger people um, and I, I do appreciate the, the relationship she's building with uh, with uh, Eli. Yeah, that's true. Um, and, and I think, and I didn't think of this when it, when it was first developing but I think you touched on something when um, her and Eli first met and when they started developing their friendship, the cliche thing would have been, he's the super nerd, she's the pretty girl, there would be conflict there, or he would be fawning over her, or he would be stumbling over his words. But it wasn't like that at all. No. So they, they, they hit it off right away, and, and because of their mutual situation, you know, mm-hmm. they just became friends, and I thought that was, that was a neat, neat way to do things. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, let's see. We talked about them using the Stargates so that you can go to different planets from the Destiny. I thought that was really cool. Kind of implausible, but that's okay. It makes the show work, and so I'll I'll swallow it. Uh, it lets them beam down like it's the Enterprise to different planets every episode, and that you got to be able to do that, or there's no point, right? I mean, what's the point of the show if right. you can't go anywhere? So yeah, right. Exactly. And you got to have the Stargate in there because it's a Stargate, you know, it's a Stargate show. Right. Right. Yeah, and they use it quite a bit. Um, I think that's all of the main characters that we've at least seen so far. I don't know if we're forgetting anybody. That's uh, we, we mentioned Ming Na Wen. Yeah. Um, like I said, there's a handful of other characters we'll we'll get to see later on, but those are the main right. ones that get to do stuff. And right. And I really like. I mean, I'm a big fan of Colonel Young because he just is a very human character. You get you see more of his motivation. Um, and I like. I really like Rush because he's so interesting. Whether you like him or not, you, you, you're you interested in him. Right. And, and then the the ladies. I mean, I really do like uh, TJ, and I like, uh, you know, uh, Chloe's okay. I, she They give her a lot to do, but she, she's not my favorite. Uh, let me see. What was that little ship that flew away at the very end from Destiny? Did you catch that? I didn't. In the what very happened? last, in the very last scene, when they're like, "Well, that's the end of this episode," ha ha, you know, typical ending. And then they right. show that they come out from the destiny, and you see it moving into the camera and sailing off into the sunset. And yeah. as it's and as it's as the destiny's going away from us, or I guess from your point of view, the destiny's going away. This yeah. little thing goes. I didn't catch that. Now I'm gonna have to go back and watch that. Just the last like five seconds of it. Oh yeah, something. See again, they are planting the seeds all the wow. entire series. Yeah. I, well, I'm glad you mentioned that because if I watch future episodes and, and they bring that back up, I'd be like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> where did that, that come, come from? from?" Right, exactly. All right, all right. Uh, and it wasn't one of those little. Uh, the it little, wasn't a shuttle or anything, no. 
It wasn't one of the little balls that the floating camera balls. Oh, the Kino? No, I like the Kinos Kino. too. Those are cool. Like yeah. Eli, it's not a gumball machine. <laughs> it kind of looked like a gumball <laughs> machine, to be honest with you. Right. Yeah, the Kino's cool. Do you notice when that when you're looking through the Kino, the sides of the camera are kind of fuzzy? Right. I don't. You'll, I don't get the reference. What? What is? Where does he get the term Kino from? I don't know. I just go right. with it. But yeah, you can tell when you're seeing video from the Kino because the sides of the. It's just like in Foundation when well you haven't seen that episode but yeah. have you i don't know when you get to in later episodes of foundation when the men mental people are doing stuff the sides of the screen kind of get fuzzy it's kind of the gotcha. same thing here yeah. um all right so we had some categories and then we can talk about anything else you want to before we wrap up but i've given you some categories to think about so this is a big one how intrigued and or interested are you and this also asks the question are you interested in watching any more are you pretty much done with it well you're you're going right right for the juggler with the first question aren't well that you? was the first question <laughs> we can we can save that one until the end if you you'd rather to, you need to leave that for the end man okay. that's a big reveal all right let, let me uh let me i'm cut cut it out right no problem i cut it out right now i got copy i got cut and paste uh <laughs> let's see i put it right after the rating all right. All right, here we go. New number one category. Did it make sense to you? <laughs> well, you've kind of talked about that some. It, it, it didn't. Uh, I mean, I'm, I figured it out, but by the mm. third episode, I'm just like, you know what? I'm not going to try to make sense of it. I don't. <laughs> I, I thought most of these characters were from were set up in a in a previous series. So I'm like, all right, I don't know any of these characters. I don't know where they come from. I don't know their background. So hopefully, they'll they'll touch on that as we go along. Um, you've cleared that up for me. Um, I didn't understand the whole first space battle. Um, I don't know if they'll ever get back to that or not. But I, I, when the you mean when Icarus Base got attacked? Right. I didn't. I didn't know. I wasn't sure where Icarus Base was. I'm still not. Um, I didn't know that that uh, the the spaceship that they were the Stargate the S the SG unit was on. I, I wasn't. I didn't know that they had a spaceship. Oh yeah, they get a whole um, bunch of spaceships before Stargate SG One is over. Okay, um, so I was I, there was a lot I was confused about, and the flashbacks were really confused. Um, at least yes. in the first episode, they were. Hundred percent. By, by the yes. third episode, they worked the flashbacks in where they made more sense. Yes, like, yes, I agree. He was hallucinating while walking through the desert. Well, that makes sense. You know that yes. he was that that flashback made sense. Mm -hmm. So the first two episodes, I, by the time I got to the third episode. I don't know if I had just given up on my confusion or if things it, it I, I don't think those things that confused me the first two episodes mattered by the time I got to the end of the third episode because I was so wrapped up in the characters mm -hmm. the story nonsense I didn't really it, it didn't bother me anymore. I mean okay. um, I, not that I wasn't interested in the story but I wasn't going to try to work anything out I was just going right. to kind of go with the flow because the characters were, were engaging enough yeah. Oh, I'm well. I'm glad to hear that because I think the characters are, are absolutely great in this show. But again, I can totally see how somebody that was a big fan of SG One or Atlantis, where everybody is a hero, is a hundred percent a hero, and the the worst the heroes get on those shows are like Rodney McKay gets annoying or blows up a star system by accident, but he's still good old Rodney, and we all love him, you know. So the heroes on those two shows are 100% shiny heroes. And, and on this show, there's nobody like that. In fact, I think that's why I think it was funny that, that General O'Neill kind of came across as harsh and kind of mean to Young. Because on this show, even, 
even characters from the other shows in this darker universe come across darker. I thought that was right. interesting, you know? Right, yeah. He wasn't the, the, the smiling O'Neill. Yeah. Know, cracking jokes and, you know, disregard for discipline type of guy. No, not anymore, yeah. yeah. I love that. I just thought that's so interesting that, that everybody in Stargate Universe, including characters we did already know, right. is, are, are darker, yeah, and more interesting, more layers and grayer. But yes, to answer your question, yes, I, I was definitely confused. Um, who was the most interesting or intriguing character by the time you were done? Uh, Dr. Rush. Yeah, I think so. For sure. Yeah. Um, for all the reasons we've already mentioned, he's just, you just don't know, you know, if, if he's a good guy or a bad guy or, or what. I mean, w- again, in the first episode, he came across as, as pure, you know, cliche bad guy. But by the end of the third episode, I was like, okay, I can see where he's coming from a little bit. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's because my son is, is on the autism spectrum. So I'm more attuned to seeing how people think differently, you know, how they process stuff differently than, than, you know, your, your, your typical person. So sure. may, maybe may, that could be a, a part of the reason why I found him more interesting was because yeah. I, I picked up on, on some things that they're maybe trying to get across there. That makes sense. Um, who was a character you wish they'd shove out the airlock? <laughs> oh, um, Greer yeah. and Eli. Yeah, I get that. I, yeah. I get it. I do. They're both a little much. And I mean, honestly, in Greer's ta- case, it takes a while for me not to dislike him. I mean, it might be season two, honestly, before I quit. this. <laughs> I, eventually you do, right? Eventually you get enough of Greer that you're like, you know, I get where he's coming from and whatever. But honest to God, it may be season two before that happens. Uh, Eli is not so bad pretty soon. But All right. they just kind of, like I said, they just shove a lot of him out front yeah. for whatever reason in this beginning. I don't know why. He's, I mean, Eli remains important. David Blue remains a very important part of the show all the way to the end. But I don't, I, I don't think they keep pushing him to the front like that quite as, quite as much. Because, I mean, Colonel Young gets way more important. And um, you get more of Camille Ray. You're not going to waste Ming Na if you're going to have her on the show, right? And and the others. So everybody gets a turn, and it gets a little more even-handed. It's not just all Eli and and uh, Rush, although they are a lot of it. Um, let's see. What was your favorite moment so far? Uh, favorite moment was uh, <laughs> when Doctor Rush asked Eli to stick his arm in the uh, in the <laughs> target. Because you know. It, it, <laughs> Not because it was kind of a funny moment, and not because it was a cool character moment for Eli or for Doctor Rush, for that matter, but because you know they had the timer going down. You know, it was like, oh, they're going to come tumbling through at the very last second to save the day, but they didn't. Yeah. The timer ran out, and Doctor Rush is like, oh crap, I got to figure something out to make it, you know, so it doesn't jump into the to light speed again. I know, I'll make Eli sacrifice himself. And he even said he doesn't know if it's going to work or not. Yeah, he did. I don't know. Young says, is that going to work? He's like, I, I don't know. <laughs> Somebody's got to do something, and yeah. he's there. So Well, they were all going to suffocate. He would be dead anyway right. was the thing. Right. Yeah. And, and Eli, for, for you know, to his credit, was like, all right, I'll do it. So that was a cool character moment for Eli. Mm-hmm. It was a neat character moment for Dr. Rush. And it was just a, 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 a twist on expectations, you know. Yes. Um, they, they you didn't do the, They didn't do the typical countdown to the last second where they come through and save the day, just as it clicks to zero. Um, there, that was a nice twist on it. So I thought that was cool. I also thought, and I agree with you. I also thought that it was cool that when he stuck his arm in there and it counted to zero, 
it sounded like the ship was about to tear itself apart. Right. I thought I thought that was that was important because if you could just stick your arm in there and keep the ship from going light speed with impunity, suddenly you have control over the ship to a certain degree. Right. They don't have control over the ship. Right. <laughs> so it was right. like doing that gave them a few seconds. Yeah. But but the ship was like, ah, you know, yeah. it was not happy about it. So for a, a tens of thousands of year old ship, you don't necessarily want to make it no. shake itself like that. <laughs> I, and that's one of the things I love about that ship. I was going to ask you what you thought about the Destiny herself because it's so cool to me that it's got all this ancient technology that is very reminiscent of Atlantis. You know where we had just spent five years before this show, right? But it also all is very dark, earth tone, brown. Everything looks like Atlantis is all bright and lit up and nice. I loved Atlantis, right? right. But this thing looks one hundred and fifty thousand years old. Like the windows are all muddy, kind of looking, you know, yeah. and the everything is kind of rusty looking. All I love that. Yeah, I think the. I- I thought that the ship definitely had character. Um, it wasn't your typical sci-fi ship. It, it had a little bit of character. In fact, it. and again, the, I keep saying this, keep coming back to this, but by, by the time the third episode rolled around, it was almost a character of itself mm-hmm. because it was it had agency. It was yes. doing stuff. Yes. You know, it's, it's the one that came out of hyperspace, not them. They didn't direct that. And it chose what planet it was going to. Mm-hmm. They didn't choose that. And it locked out so, the others. Right, right, exactly. And it told them, okay, you're not going to these planets. Mm-mm. So, I, well, you're not supposed to go to these planets. And, and we never did see what happened to those two people that did. Right, right, exactly. Um, so I, I, I thought the ship had almost a, it was almost a character in and of itself. I thought that was kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, oh, I agree. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I, there was something else I was going to say about it, but it'll come back to me. Um, so, yeah, your favorite moments, Eli. I, I don't know. I mean... I love the idea that it was so far away that the very beginning when they walk, I like how we, we saw them coming out of the Stargate into the ship and they're flying through the air and crashing into stuff and you don't know why. And then later in a flashback, you see them very orderly walking into it and you realize that it's so far away and it's the, the physics are so, you know, far apart that it, it's, it's speeding them up and shooting them out, you know? Yeah. And, 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 Almost killed. They them. were right. They were, what do you say, twelve billion light years? Oh, it's just away? incredibly far. Yeah, that's halfway across the known universe. I well, mean, yeah, not, they showed that map. The, right, right. That's he says those are stars. He's like, those are galaxies. Yeah. <laughs> that I mean, that's that creates a huge, huge scope for this show. I mean, yes, this isn't just you know who's going to rule the galaxy or who, you know, what alien races are you going to discover in the galaxy? This is a whole universe. That's what, I guess why, why it's called Stargate universe. But it's, I mean, that, that makes the, the, the setting and the world building so much bigger. And I I hope they lean into that. Yeah. I no, you're right. I, I just think it's funny because Stargate Atlantis, the big deal was we're in a whole different galaxy and they spent like half of the entire series trying to just build a stargate link from the pegasus galaxy to to the milky way and now here they're like a bajillion galaxies away they're just so far away which by the way shows you how powerful those uh those stones are that they yeah. give you instantaneous. Instantaneous, right. That, that's some serious quantum entanglement. Oh, right. that was the other thing I was going to mention about the rocks, and I forgot, is um, 
it's it it it's a it's both cool and annoying to me that they do this trick where when the stone switch mines, they show the bodies. Right. They show so the, the actor of the brain. Mind sh- is there. Right. Yeah. So we're seeing something different than what the other what the characters in the show are seeing. Right. And right. I have to keep reminding myself that, right? Because I'm right. like, wait, how did Chloe get you know here? How did how did uh, right. Colonel Colonel Young get there? They're not seeing Chloe. Right. Chloe's mom was not seeing Chloe. Chloe's mom was seeing that other lady. Right. And they very subtly showed that she was wearing the other lady's clothes. She wasn't wearing yes. Chloe's clothes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, what what that means is that the lady that was on the the lady that was on this. Uh, Destiny giving orders and being bossy looked like Chloe. Like Chloe, right? It was Chloe walking around saying, "Do this, do that, do that," and I'd be like, "Cause we got the one reaction. Everybody else kind of took it in stride, but the guy in the in the start, the, the like the technician guy, because there's like you'll meet there's like three or four technicians that are just there to kind of for rush to yell at and boss around. So one of them sitting there working on something, and he's like, "Oh, hey, whatever," and they're like, "No, this is Doctor Whatever from Earth using the stones," and he's like. Okay, right. <laughs> so he was like us. He's like, wait a minute, I'm trying to process this. That's not her. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what I had this, I, I think I know the answer to this, but I may be surprised. What Babylon Five character would you like to see on this show, or do you wish was on this show? I thought that'd be a fun question. You you are adding categories to this because I didn't have that question on that initial list you sent out. Oh, really? That's, My bad. Yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> so. I'm sorry. What what which Babylon Five character would I like to see on this show? Yeah, who would be interesting to be as part of the crew? I think Garibaldi would fit in very oh, well. God, I mean, yes, just, yes, just yes. his attitude and yes, the, the, his problem solving and well, they need Ivanova. They need Ivanova, yeah. but but Garibaldi <laughs> yes. would fit in. That's yes. the answer. He, yeah, but uh, Garibaldi. But I think um, Sinclair. I got some Sinclair vibes from uh, Young there at mm. towards the end of, of the the third episode when mm. they they kind of showed him in profile as he is looking out over everything. I I think Sinclair would be interesting. Yeah, that's inter- That is good. That's good. No, yeah, I, I like I said, you come to like Young a lot more because mainly because he has to deal with Rush and the two of them are very interesting. They have good chemistry, I think. Um, I agree with you that Garibaldi probably fits in the best. You know who also would fit in really well? Bester. Yeah, <laughs> he would love the destiny. He'd have a good time yeah. on the destiny, man. Yes, he would. Or oh. Zathras maybe. Can you imagine? Yeah, well, that yeah, Zathras should be there fixing stuff. Right, exactly. He'd be down in the bowels of the destiny, going, Zathras always get crap jobs. <laughs> no one ever good for Zathras. But uh, but yeah, I could see Bester and Rush having a good standoff. Yeah. And for all we know, a Toombe might be on that ship. <laughs> might be where he ended up. <laughs> they stopped by and picked him up. They dialed in Babylon 5, and he was the only one awake, and he jumped through the Stargate, and that was, the, that was what happened to him. Yeah. All right, Andy, who, who, uh, who won this episode? I, I, I had a hard time answering any of these. Let me see. who I, I, I thought about that one pretty hard. I had a hard time. Um, ultimately, I have ultimately Dr. Rush won. Okay. Well, he kind of got he, what he wanted. He did. He got what he wanted, and um, he came across. I mean, he he uh, like you said, he always had the answer to explain mm-hmm. whatever questionable decision he made or whatever questionable situation he found in. 
he always came up with something that made him sound like not the bad guy. And and uh, by the end of that third episode, he was he was coming across it. I mean, he found he didn't find it, but he's the one that showed them how to find the the the, sand, the special sand they needed for the filters. You know, he's the one that that came up with all the scientific stuff that ultimately saved the day. So I, I think he he's the winner there. No, I think you're right. I hadn't thought about it that way, but I think you're right. Yeah, um, I I like that he comes up with perfectly plausible ex- uh, answers, excuses, whatever for everything, and Colonel Young never believes a word he says. Right. <laughs> right. I picked up on yeah. that too. Yeah. So yeah. a very interesting com- uh, chemistry there. Uh, who lost this episode? Not Eli's uh, arm, fortunately. <laughs> the 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 two people that went off oh, the God. other Stargate to the other planet. Good call. You're the, killing the this. Ship, yeah. The ship left without them. They're like, see ya. Well, so. they didn't have a dial. They couldn't leave. Right. Uh, they were just trapped. We have no idea. They didn't have a keynote. They have no idea what the environment was like. Uh, Destiny had locked out that address on purpose, meaning it's probably like methane or giant alligators with lasers on their head or something. So <laughs> they did say one the the one guy that got shot did say you know it it's it's a safe planet. They have water, breathable air, so they must have sent a, a kino through. Oh, okay. At least I didn't to check it out because they knew they knew they weren't walking into like a death trap. So maybe they're not Adam a, and Eve on some new. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're starting the new human race. There it is. Yeah, they they did. There's there. Well, those are the type of questions this show goes on to try to answer. This show gets very big in scope before it's done. I mean, it's very impressive. Um, all right, what was your rating on our zero to five scale of this three-parter story arc? Oh golly, that that is a tough question too because uh, we, I have to take it as one story. Okay. If you had asked me that after the first episode or two, I would have been like, eh, this is like a 1.5. Wow. But because it just didn't, it didn't catch me. It, it came across as very cliche and all that stuff, everything that, that we've been into. But by the end of that third episode, I was into it. I, so I, because of all the confusion and because of the rough start, I can't give it higher than three stars. But it, it was going up. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it started out low and started going up. If they had started at the same level that they finished with, it would probably it easy, easily would have been four four point five stars. Nice. Okay, I gave it a four, partially because, like you say, it does really kind of go well and ends well, and and partially because I know some of the things that are coming up, and there's a couple where I may need to go six. <laughs> I don't know. If I give this a four, then we're already. You know, you know how it was. You know how there were some good Babylon fives. We were given two point right. five and three there early on because we knew what was coming, right? Right. Well, I I know that severed dreams and chrysalis and sleeping in light are out there right now for this show, and so I'm like, I mean, honestly, I gave it a four when I wrote it down just because I enjoy it so much. But when I think about what's coming up, I might lower it to a three point five just because I don't. As much as I enjoyed it, there's much better coming. So right. Yeah, it, it was it was a rough start, and it, it was a struggle to get through the first two-thirds, which is not something you necessarily want with your pilot. No, and that's how you get canceled after two seasons, which it did, right. which I understand. And I get, um, I get, you know, after the third episode, I, I get what they were doing. They were setting a lot of stuff up, but you can't expect anybody to sit through three hours no, to get to the true. good stuff. No, that's absolutely fair. No, you're absolutely right. 
Um, are you now ready for the big question that we postponed till the end? I am. And then I'm going to uh, thank our patrons, as always. Um, I'm sure we probably got some more listener comments, but I'm actually going to save them because it's, since this is a separate show kind of thing tonight, we'll catch right. it when we do the do the weekend re- the, sh- the series in review. So um, I'm sorry, I'm trying to click something here. Right, so here's the question. How intrigued and or interested are you, and is it enough to make you want to keep going, or are you done? After watching the third episode, before we had our conversation, I was willing to sit through another episode <laughs> just, just to to humor you. Aw. <laughs> look how but good after, Andy after, is. After our discussion, you have convinced me that the show is going in the direction that I liked. It, it it, it will pick up on a lot of the tidbits that I saw in the third episode that I really liked. So now I'm convinced that this is definitely a show that, that I would be interested in watching more of. Good deal. All right. All right. So all we got to do now is just figure out when we're going to do it. Right. We'll just have to you know, find the time. Yeah, because honestly, I could sit down right now and watch like three more episodes right now. I'm just, I just love that show. <laughs> but I'm also disciplined enough that I don't like to burn stuff and then not have it fresh. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So I can I can put it on pause. I got other things I need to be watching, and when we get the next chance, we'll pick up like a couple more. I'm I'm down with that. Good deal. I'm very excited. All right, there you go, folks. There's Andy's uh, verdict. Stargate Universe, not a great start, but it improved enough. Glad we watched three and not two. I it am Im- too. It improved enough by the end of the third that he's intrigued. He likes the characters. He wants to kind of keep going a little bit more. I'm telling you what. I think it's like number seven, but I, I'm just pulling that out of the air. But there's one coming up fairly soon. Fairly soon. I mean, the ones between now and then are great. They're good. They're really good. But there's one coming up that you're just like, and your brain is exploding. And I don't mean because it's so awesome. I mean because you're just like, oh, my gosh, this. how can this be? You know, it's just a brain bursting. Like, it's, you know, like the first time we saw Chrysalis or something. or Right. You know, one so, of those... Yeah, one of those. I have to ask you, does this end on a cliffhanger that we're stuck not knowing anything? Or is there any sort of... I mean, did, did they know that they're going to get canceled in enough time that they could wrap stuff up? Or This is a very difficult question to answer, even spoilers aside. And, and, and okay. I'm going to tell you why. They didn't know they were going to get canceled after the second season. They were ready to do season number three. I'm sure season three would have been great. So here's the thing. The... There are there are some current immediate storylines that don't get resolved. But okay. by the grace of God Almighty somehow, they did a couple of episodes close to the end that are basically sleeping in light. Okay. It's kind of like if you got it's kind of like if you got up to end game and then got sleeping in light. You didn't get Rising Star, you didn't get season 5. But you do get in game, you know what I mean? Right. It's, okay. It's kind of like that. It, it, it's beyond that. You just have to see it because it's impossible to explain. You'll see what I mean. They do some funky mm-hmm with the time space <laughs> continuum in this show. Okay. <laughs> All right. It gets cosmic. Okay. It really does, and I just love that. All right. Let me thank our fine supporters over at Patreon.com that keep this program going, and then Andy and I are going to get on out of here for another episode. We have to thank these are the folks that go to www.b5review.com, www.b5review.com, and we will be back to reviewing B5 
next episode. Never you, never you worry. But they include Allison Rich, the great Allison Rich, Leah G, Rich Hammett, Michael O'Connor, Ben, Massive Geek Cred Rose. And by the way, I'm really anxious to see what the uh, patrons thought about this episode. I was about just thinking Universe. that. I was thinking that exact yeah. thing. I'm, I'm wondering how many of our patron patrons cross over to uh, SGU yeah. fandom. I'm really, I'm really curious. Maybe we turn a few on to give it a try, and then I want to hear their feedback. Yeah. Uh, there's Debbie, no spoilers, Norris, DragonCon, Delin, Jalja, Mond06, Middle Age Geek Tim, Pete. Most listeners won't know why for a year, but Andy was right about sleeping in like <laughs> Furman. Wow. Pete just comes in with the slam dunk in our face. That's so good. I love Pete. <laughs> what he's referring to there, if you don't know, folks, is that we recorded our sleep. Andy was so clever. I didn't even it didn't fully dawn on me until more recently. But what Andy cleverly came up with is that we recorded the Sleeping in Light episode the same way JMS filmed it at the end of season four. Right. I mean, I knew that intuitively, but it just didn't really dawn on me that we did the exact same thing that they did. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And so the patrons have already heard Sleeping in Light, the ones that chose to. The rest of you yeah. will hear it in a year or thereabouts, depending on how many more Stargate episodes we do. <laughs> we have to do these as a separate thing, I'm afraid. Put them on like in an off week. Uh, Steve Palmer, Stu Parker, The Geek Boy, Una Vez, and Una Luna Azul, Emma Jane Alexander, Emmanuel Seaman, Ice Cream Clone with a Boba Fett head, Comrade Sheridan, Drazi Green, Heather and Yancey Steingraber, and Michael Halbrook. That's one thing Stargate Universe doesn't have is Drazi. This is true. Yeah. That, right. This is true. It's a failing. Do uh, we do we get to see other aliens in this series? <laughs> like I said, there's two episodes coming up fairly soon that right. are mind blowing, and okay. one of, one of them involves aliens. All right. Oh, now I remember the other thing I was going to mention to you. So I'll make this the last thing. As much as we adore Babylon 5, I mean, my gosh, we've devoted, devoted years now to covering every minute detail about it. As much right. as we love Babylon 5, we do crack on its special effects from time to time because it was made for $1.75 an episode, and that's, that's the best <laughs> they could do. This show was made barely 10 years after, uh-huh. and it looks so good, doesn't it? Oh, it looks fantastic. I mean, yeah, it looks absolutely fantastic. The, the special effects, because computer... Technology came came along so fast and so far in that ten years. I mean, yeah, the the ships look gorgeous. You know, the the yeah, it just it looks so much better in Babylon Five. When which, they went, which makes me dream of what kind of show we would get with the reboot. Exactly, that's what I've said all along. If this looked this yeah. good in two thousand nine, imagine what imagine what twenty twenty three post right. expanse. Right. What it could look like, my gosh! Yep. But when they were running around on the desert planet with the Stargate there, and they're on the in the desert and everything, I kept thinking this would be like a, a little set in the in the hot tub factory if this was Babylon. They wouldn't go to a planet like that. No, they wouldn't. They, they it couldn't. would be underground, or it would be in a building on the planet, mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, It'd they, have to yeah, be. Yeah, they would. Yeah, they they. Would, I can't think of any time when they were actually on the surface of the planet except for Mars. They they showed them on the surface. Yeah. Of Mars. Yeah, there's that one moment in season five that I won't mention for spoilers, but they go to a planet and it they come up with excuses why they're basically still inside a room. Right. That's I think the ragged edge. That's the fact that I remember that is horrifying, considering that I don't know what I had for lunch yesterday. Um, yes, I do. I don't eat lunch. Um, all right. Any final thoughts about Stargate Universe? I think we've covered it pretty well. 
Yeah, I, it it didn't come across as as the Stargate that I was familiar with um, until oh you ne- you never asked what the the most Stargate moment was. Oh, that's right. We had to add that one in. All right, so yeah. let me add that one in. What was the most Stargate moment? When they when they when the Stargate on the ship started up and they were going to that that desert planet. Mm-hmm. How they all kind of got their gear together and got lined up, and the Stargate was whirling, and then they did the thing, and they all walked through. That was, I mean, that was in every almost every single episode of Stargate SG One, yep. at least in that first season. That was that was that was the show. That's it's right there on on the tin, you know, Stargate. Mm-hmm. And when they started up that Stargate, and they all went through to to go find whatever they needed to save the day, that was that was Stargate for me. And that that's again, that came in the third episode, so I was like, okay, that was cool. That was that was what I was used to because nothing up until then made me think Stargate. I like that the, the destiny, it has like the steampunk Stargate equipment, right? Cause it's so yeah. old because yeah. if you remember on Atlantis, the Stargate didn't turn, it had lights that went around. Right. Which right. was a, which was a up, which was an upgrade, I guess, from the Milky Way ones that turned. This yeah, one was, was awesome. back to actually physically right. turning. The light, the lights were also cheaper for special effects purposes. Oh right, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but but this know, was, I, yeah, I, th- I thought, uh, I thought that was real Stargate. That that kind of, you know, tweaked my my nostalgia part of my ring when I saw that. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh yeah. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that the Stargate in SGU really just becomes a prop. It becomes like one of the many tools that they have. It's not the entire point of the show. Right. Like it was on the other shows, it's just kind of like right. one of the things that these people use over the course of what they're doing, and I like I kind of like that too because it's it's yeah. separate. Again, it it was the one I came to first, and so I came to this show feeling like I didn't need anything else. It kind of you know it that didn't... that fascinates me that you came to the Stargate fandom through the third series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just had never I mean, that, watched it. That just floors me. It's like coming into Star Trek by watching Voyager or something. Like yeah. That, you know? No, it's true. Or Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, here's the thing. I mean, I watched SGU and I'm like, man, Stargate is awesome. I've been missing out all these years. So when Twin Universe was over, I went and watched Atlantis. And I watched Atlantis and I'm like, well... It's not near as dark. It's much more cartoony. Everything's bright and colorful, and everybody's happy. And it's like, it's like everybody's on Xanax or something. I guess it's okay. I mean, Rodney's pretty cool. I like Rodney. <laughs> and and in the Colonel, what's it? Shepherd was okay. He was kind of neat because yeah. he's kind of gruff and grouchy and everything. Right. I didn't like hardly anybody else on Atlantis. I just liked Rodney and and Shepherd. And then of course. Uh, Momoa when he shows up is kind of fun. Right, right. And then when I watched SG One because I went backwards. That's hilarious. So I finally, <laughs> so I was like, I didn't like Atlantis as much as Universe, but I found things to like about it. Mostly Rodney right. being Rodney. I would say Rodney was the whole show. He was Doctor Rush before Doctor Rush, right? Yeah. So then I watched SG One and I was like, eh, it's okay. I, just, <laughs> I, I was never a fan of. I'll put it this way: there's about five episodes of SG One I thought were brilliant. Yeah. And the rest I could I could never watch again. To be perfectly. It was very formulaic. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. the first couple of seasons when they're just going and running into like stuff from Star Trek 1966, you know. Right. But but walking there instead of beaming down, you know. Right. Right. And I'm like, exactly. okay, they're gonna. Oh, look, it's another it's another village and they're witches. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh god, not that, you know. <laughs> Whereas I'll say this: the last couple of episodes of SG One, I thought were fantastic because they brought in Ben Browder and Claudia Black. 
from from Farscape. Really? Stargate was Stargate was really good at bringing in actors from other sci-fi shows. I they didn't yeah, know. they yeah, in the last couple of seasons of SG1, they brought in Ben Browder as, to replace Colonel O'Neill. He's the new leader of the team and he's awesome. Wow. They brought in Claudia Black as like an alien character. She's a human, but she's from another planet and she gets involved right. with them. And they brought in Marina Bakarin from Firefly as like a villain. Oh, wow. And she was awesome. And they had this whole new villain. Because I got so tired of the Egyptian dudes, you know, yeah, with the snakes yeah. and all. I was just so done yeah. with them. My gosh. They brought in a whole new villain set called the Ori that were these religious fanatic people with cosmic powers. I thought that was great. So the last two episodes of SG-1, I'm all about. I kind of go backwards. Like I said, Universe is the best, then Atlantis, then the end of SG-1. And then by the time you get to the beginning of SG-1, I don't really like it that much. That's crazy. Isn't it? It's like it's like coming into Star Wars through like one of the Ewok TV movies. <laughs> I know. I know. I know it. All right. Well, we've gone on enough. Uh, Andy, I appreciate you indulging me with these three episodes, and I'm glad that you're willing to continue. We'll, we'll chat about when we yeah, want to do it. definitely. But folks, stay tuned, because on our next episode, we'll probably get the whole band back together, and we'll look back at Season 4 of Babylon 5 and what an epic season it it really was i'm curious to see what our friends have to say about it that's going to be a great conversation i cannot wait i I, no matter who we get on it it's going to be a great conversation it is it is all right until then andy we'll see you next time all right brother take care this has been a white rocket entertainment production